Hey everybody, it's time to roll for intent with the Creator's Corner. I'm Trevor, and with me I've got, as always up to this point, Christian. I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. I don't know either. Nobody seems interested in taking your place or mine. Yeah, I don't no, blame we, them. It's wrong. We ask, hey, anyone want to do this so we can have a night off and crickets? They run. They're screaming and running. I don't think they can drop out of Discord fast enough. Well, tonight we have a very special guest, and it was a lot of work. I had to sneak across the border. My hands are all sticky. And we have with us a Freeman from Hold on, Uncharted this is a family North. show. It was syrup. It's from Canada. Get your mind okay, out of the gutter, it, I'm Trevor. I'm making sure, man. <laughs> Freeman, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, how's it going, eh? Uh, pretty oh, good he's leaning there, into uh, it. <laughs> oh, has, uh, yeah, you know, I don't get down south of the border very often there, but, uh, as, uh, you know, I was told you had beer that's like basically drinking water, which is true, but, um, but you got a couple of good ones down there. You act like you don't have Labatt. <laughs> we've got worse we've got molson canadian <laughs> love it love it i don't thanks I for having me crap. fellas uh glad to be anytime. here anytime freeman you're always welcome inside of the role for intent umbrella if you if you just need a, a random fill-in co-host after your little your little complaint rant there i i could i could probably do it yeah i mean for those of you that have listened to our main <laughs> show or have been in our Discord, uh, Freeman Easton is the GM and showrunner for Uncharted North's Stemming the Tide Abomination Vaults podcast, the second best Abomination Vaults podcast on the internet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a real shame that we got knocked down to second place on that. Um, but it, it's an b- even bigger shame is that Tabletop Gold beat us all the first, so you guys uh-huh. had to be third. Man, that sucks. There it went. There it went. I was waiting for it. Oh, man. Brutal. I was waiting yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, you saw it coming, did you? <laughs> we hooked up with Freeman really early on in our show, and uh, they've been great. They've been great friends, and uh, we really like the guys over at uh, Stemming the Tide. And I figured when we get the show going, I want to get some podcasters on. Who better than our chilly Western Canadian <laughs> brethren? And you guys decided to go in a little different than most other podcast groups. You guys only have three players, do you not? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, although it was it was it was a half decision, half no choice, because <laughs> uh, we we couldn't really find uh, other people um, that were on board for like a long term podcast project. Essentially, we had lots of people that wanted to play, but um, and we we ended up uh, recruiting uh, an old friend of mine who I hadn't actually really talked to in years um but kind of reconnected with uh, who's on the east coast of canada so we play remotely and it's you know scheduling and stuff has always been a bit of a pain but it's it's been really 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 fun if a pain in the butt to coordinate oh yes we span three time zones so <laughs> yeah they span four every time i've gotten on to play with them it looks like duncan is living off of pure distilled caffeine injected into his veins the poor man <laughs> seriously yeah, people forget that uh, Canada is a bit wider than the United States, so we actually go an extra time zone and a half even. Uh, Newfoundland has a half time zone that they that they go by. Um, so we have Atlantic Standard Time over there. I'm sure maybe Maine adheres to it as well, but who knows, man? <laughs> so, like, 
how'd you guys get started, right? What did you, what was your process when you first sat down uh, with the rest of your crew and decided, hey, let's do a podcast. This sounds fun. Why did you <laughs> want to do it? What was the well, process? How'd you put it together? How long did it start? Yeah, how long did it take to get started? Yeah, well, it didn't start with, with me, really, although I am the showrunner and sort of head of Stemming the Tide. It started with James, who is uh, a, long, uh, lo- a relatively longtime friend of mine. Uh, we basically got started in tabletop RPGs and D&D together uh, when I moved out here to Vancouver. And it was him who, who got the, the ball rolling on that. I moved away for a while and came back and jumped right back in with him. And uh, he's the one who had a podcast idea. And that was our first podcast. It's called Encounter This. And it is 5e focused for now. Uh, but it's basically a discussion podcast about uh, creatures that you encounter in D&D. So we talk about the lore uh, within the D&D universe, sometimes spanning across the different versions and editions. And then we talk about any real life uh, cultural lore um, and mythology folklore that, that, is in, uh, that they were inspired by. And we kind of talk and compare them and have a laugh. And then we talk about mechanics at the end for anyone who wants to get into that nitty gritty and, and you know, adventure hooks and, and mechanical ideas. So we did that for a while. And then the more we get going, I, always, I started playing Pathfinder with him and some friends. I started running a Starfinder game. We wanted to branch out more into different systems. And the more we played and the more people we found that were really fun to play with, the more the podcast idea kind of stewed in the back of my head. And I constantly plugged it. And, um, and uh, at, least, at least James and our friend Scott were on board, you know, if I was the one to get it get the ball rolling on that. And, and I did, I really wanted to, I was really, really keen on, on doing a show. Uh, cause, uh, I used to perform theater and stuff years and years ago and I gave it up uh, a while back, but, uh, I really still love being sort of in the spotlight as it were, even if it's a recorded one. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, so it kind of all, all, a lot of it boiled down to a, a creative outlet that I really, really wanted and, uh, had some, had some backup and thankfully some mechanical technical expertise to a degree within James because <laughs> I cannot get my head around editing dopamine starved theater kids have to have an outlet deep into adulthood <laughs> <laughs> what was the decision that you guys came through to settle on abomination vaults as the AP that you guys wanted to do uh yeah I it was it was definitely somewhere in the realm of it's a shorter form adventure than usual that you know it's the half the half length of three books versus six um so we knew that would give us a little wiggle room to adjust later on if we wanted to uh although it's still you know you still look at like a, a two year kind of commitment ne- nearly as it were for at least for release schedule um we're we're only biweekly at the moment though we do have tentative plans to go weekly um and uh, and it was also at the time brand new yeah thank you (laughs) 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 it was also at the time very brand new um which i i know uh it was you know it released in january of was it 2021 right so uh and we were um we were gunning uh basically to to release that you know among the first as (laughs) and i think we were the third of of the three that i know of so we we weren't quite the first but um yeah it was it, it was a combination of that like you know it was new uh, so there wasn't much content out there about it yet. Um, it was also getting a lot of rave reviews. So we knew there was a good amount of balance we, some, with some exception. We were all very interested in the uh, the style of the adventure, the the mega dungeon, uh, which doesn't crop up nearly as much as it used to, I feel like. And so, yeah, I think I think all signs just sort of pointed to yes. Um, 
And but that it took a little bit of convincing from me because you know, as the GM, you read all the content and you're like, I have to, I can only tell you so much. So I need you to buy into that. Um, but I, I think I sold it to them, uh, to the players. I really dig Abomination Vault a lot. We've talked at length. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you know, about how cool it is from a GMing perspective because it's such a loose skeleton that you can just stretch your own story across. And yeah. it doesn't even have to live in Galarian. So if you're doing a homebrew world, you can jump right into it. It's really great. It's really good for you to stretch your writing. Yeah, there's lots of foundation and backbone for you to work with that's like solid, well-written, um, but not you know, so overwhelmingly so that you feel like you have to use it as is, you know, uh, it's, uh, it, you're right. You can really mold it and stretch it the way you want. And, um, I mean, I'm not caught up on, on you guys at this point, but, uh, I are, you know, we've already talked about here and there, how, how separate of a direction we've gone with our play styles and, and our, our style of like introducing a story and even the characters that just, everything's just so different. They're they're They might as well not be the same adventure sometimes. Yeah, that's why I think there's a lot of merit to, you know, if you listen to a podcast of A Adventure Path, don't just stick yourself with that one. Listen to all of them because everybody's going to have a different take on the adventure, especially if you're a GM and you want to run that path, you know, steal from people. We all got good ideas. Take Mm -hmm. what you like, leave the rest, make your own. There's a, (laughs) there's a lot to, to be gained from listening to multiple people's playthroughs. So absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to say, if there are multiple podcasts Abomination Bolts is the best one that because you could listen to all of them. You are not going to get the same story. You you absolutely won't because Paizo really didn't add a story. There's, you know, there's the vaults yeah. and what's going on there. But other than that, there's very little guidance. So, yeah, you know, everyone, everyone's going to develop that in their own way. Yeah, they've basically added backstory, but not a story to follow. Uh, so it's open world while being within a box because you're, you're again mega dungeon. You're going level by level, so there are there are limits to what direction you're going. But you buy into it so easily, and you kind of only so build far. your own story. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, hee, who knows? I mean, I, I feel like it's uh, apropos of this exact conversation. You know, uh, uh, I'm just across the border. Uh, and you know, we're, we're running the same adventure and, but they are, it's the same, but it's not. And, uh, on my way home to, to do this interview, is this, is this what it is? You're interviewing me? Interview, we're just yeah. hanging out. It's a conversation. Um, I, uh, some, I found a, a, talking. <laughs> I found a lovely beer, uh, uh, brought into my, my local shop is less really cool ones. And it's called uh, separated to a degree. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I, thought, I gotta have that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it felt it just felt too perfect. And it's quite delicious. I'm a big beer nerd, so uh do you find that you are having to curtail any of the adventure to modify for your group of three? Uh yeah, I mean, yeah. Um the uh encounter designs have to be adjusted a bit. Um I have I've done a few things and learned a couple things along the way, though I won't say I have like a gu- a set of guidelines for anyone. Um, I feel like, you know, some people suggest that you you even out um, the number of bodies in the battlefield to the party versus the enemy, which I think has come kind of rung true. Like, try not to have five um, enemies while you have three players. Um, but it really kind of also depends on what they're fighting and, and what CR level they, they happen to be. Um, 
it um I think the biggest challenge in that regard has been the the singular fights where um it's a it's a it's a one enemy scenario and they are all sort of ganging up on it but that one enemy as written in the adventure can be much higher in general so it can really it can really ruin their day by mistake um i think uh what i what i've ended up doing uh, mostly is instead of adjusting encounters too much i've actually given them like half a level more as it were so they're, they're you know halfway through a, a dungeon level they um, are the, the level appropriate for the next level. So, and I'm playing a little bit fast and loose by ear. It's a little more milestone-y rather than XP-based and stuff, but um, it's worked well since I started doing it, which is after we we uh, finish uh, level one, I believe. Um, level one was uh, was was rough. <laughs> it, was, it was a bit rough. <laughs> um, but we were all getting our feet on the ground, not only learning the system. We, we did some practice recording and playing and stuff before, but we were still learning the system learning to play with three players, me learning to, to D, uh, GM with three players, again, in a new system. Um, so I, I, it's a little fast and loose, and, but I, but I kind of I do play it a little bit by ear as I go because um, I think maybe Abomination Vaults isn't, isn't the best one to run with three players, um, and it, uh, it's not super consistent. But I, I, I've, I've, what I think I've really enjoyed is, is anticipating some of those encounters and seeing like that CR of that creature is entirely too high for my three PCs, it's also possibly too high for the four. Like they're maybe not supposed to fight it at that level. Um, but I, I really lean into that. I'm like I'm, I'm ready to make that a, a momentous occasion, maybe, maybe a, a recurring enemy ultimately, uh, not something they're meant to defeat right away. Yeah, Abomination Vaults does have. A, there's a few spots where if the players, you know, they make two rights and a left, they could end up in front of something that will absolutely annihilate them, and there's nothing yep. to stop them from doing it. It just yeah. you happen to be in the wrong spot. <laughs> <laughs> I gave I gave them two advance warnings. I think um, that uh, I've I've reiterated a few times, and one was if you go down the next level before finishing the one you're on expect trouble and that's a bit metagamey but like you know there's only so much i can do to stop you and the other one was do not expect to not return to a previous level you absolutely will uh, somewhere along the line have a reason to go back up to another level and you because you will find secrets later on uh and those secrets could be anything from treasure to actually a trap and and you're you're screwed or you want to return to to fight an enemy that you uh you couldn't get past the first time uh, and so they, they, it, it gave a better understanding of what was happening, I think. And so they, they followed suit, which is nice. To your point about your first level being really rough, um, in those first levels, there's an episode where James just straight up stands up and leaves the table, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> yes, there and is. <laughs> I think everybody that's played it will probably understand why if they've done that fight. But yeah. they have a hell of a time. It is brutal absolutely absolutely that first level even with four players that first level is bonkers and it really sets the tone for the rest of the the rest of the dungeon Mm -hmm. um and and puts them on their toes pretty immediately which becomes very apparent as your show progresses the play styles Mm. of your care of your players changes pretty drastically uh as as the story goes on 
Mm. Yeah, it's it, it, it's such a brutal scenario, and there's a couple of them. There, there's I would say there's two on on the first level in particular with abomination vaults that uh, that can stand out, uh, and I'm sure there's others too. Uh, um, uh, but de- depending on the party and the playstyle, but if you don't have a a divine uh, a spellcaster on that first level, you could run into some trouble. You're, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. <laughs> it's definitely going to be tough. So, how do you think your show has changed? from episode one to now you are about to hit one year or you just recent you're either right on the cusp or you just hit one year right uh, no our, our one year for release is november 1st you getting there right yeah so we're coming close uh we started playing together the, the group that we have probably uh, uh shortly before now last year um doing some test recording with some other friends and whatnot um how things have changed Oof. um Certainly, like some some levels of organization behind the scenes, but uh, gameplay wise, you know, lots of just just discomfort levels of of getting to know people, uh, each other and how we how we interact for sure. Um, you know, with with Duncan being on the other side of the country and Scott and James having never met him, you know, that's a it's a, a barrier that's that's hard to cross sometimes. I think one of the things that, ch- that really changed uh, was uh, that uh, caused some change was was realizing, not realizing right away that some of the classes were not what we thought. So like Duncan starts with an alchemist, which in hindsight was a huge mistake because he had barely played even D&D before this. And we just did not realize how, how, how high of a skill cap that class is and has. Not only did he play an alchemist, he played like the weakest alchemical study yeah. alchemist too. <laughs> oh no. Like the, yeah. the chirurgeon or surgeon, which is a point of contention <laughs> on the podcast. But um yeah, it was uh, and we we I even made one one tiny house rule on that um in regards to uh using uh was it crafting um as your medicine check. Like I just straight up I, I just I streamlined it because it's rules as written it's very specific of what you can and can't use crafting for with the chirurgeon. And I just said all of it. I don't care. It's too weak. Just go to town. So we definitely adjusted that pretty early on. It's one of the few classes that I really wish had not been in the core rulebook mm-hmm. because I've known many people that it sounded like a lot of fun. It was their first experience with Pathfinder 2E and they had a miserable time because mm-hmm. Your success as an alchemist is based entirely on your understanding of equipment and mechanics. And when you're new to the game, that is zero. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you are not going to be like, I can't heal with my Mm -hmm. elixir of life. Well, that's because you're actually supposed to double up. You have to give them the juggernaut mutagen and the elixir of life if you want to combat the same level of healing as a divine spellcaster. And but no one does that because, Mm -hmm. oh, they don't want the penalty to the perception. They don't want the penalty to the will. So if, you know, they're not going to do that, they're a very, very low tier healer. If no, if the party isn't willing to go down that route. So, yeah, Yeah. it's it's a rough one to start with for sure. Yeah, it is tough. What's fun about what we're doing in a way is that Scott is used to playing just like stand and bang martial characters and he's playing a sorcerer you know, uh, to start off. And, uh, uh, James is used to playing. He clerics is like his, is his love. He loves clerics and he likes casters. He's, he starts with a fighter, <laughs> you know? So they, they're going out of their comfort zones right away. But then it just was the biggest, the biggest, uh, 
mistake really was just having Duncan play the support, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not that he didn't have fun. And we, we, te- we, we have tons of fun with it. We do have tons of fun with it, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it was just, a a, a, a much more sluggish process than we expected. A lot of behind the scenes, try this, think about that. Oh God, what are we doing? <laughs> What's your process look like for producing an episode? I know that that's kind of James's wheelhouse, but surely you got a, an idea about like what your steps are, you know, when you finish recording an episode, like what's your lead time from, all right, we recorded and it's ready to publish. Mm. So we were super cautious to start about having a number of episodes in the can. Um, Hence your good luck on <laughs> the weekly. Uh, we we really wanted to we we decided early on to go bi-weekly so that we had a, a, we knew we had some leeway until we had we had a comfort um uh comfortable backlog, as it were. Um for us, we when we record, we do two one and a half-ish hour segments, pretty much never less than that, uh, sometimes over that. Uh, and then we manage to usually whittle it down in editing. Uh, to, uh, you know, we try to go never less than an hour, uh, including music and intros and outros and stuff. But, um, uh, once that's done, we, we do, we do basically play for about three hours. We do two of those per session every two weeks. And then, um, Duncan and James take turns on, you know, odds and even episodes to, to edit the, just the body content. And then that comes through to Scott who then reviews and tries to find mistakes in like, clicks or keyboard uh, strokes or a chair squeak or cut that line or that one was cut off and there's a weird noise here. And then he puts all his notes in and then I review through and I follow his notes, try to find things he missed. And then I curate the music to what's happening. Uh, We use uh, music from Music D20 by Will Savino, which is sunsetted now, but he's got a great backlog. I highly recommend. Um, Very cheap licensing, just like five, five bucks a month, I think, on Patreon. And, um, we, uh, and I, I basically curate all that and then, uh, it goes back to James who then adds the music. I do a, a second or a third review as it were, and then it's, and then we go into a mastering. So it, we have a, a pretty, pretty specific process across all of us to make sure we all have our hands on it in some degree, uh, and make sure that, uh, we catch as much as we can. Was that process set in stone from the beginning or is that something that you arrived at through trial and error? Um, I think the, the, uh, the review process, uh, was quickly arrived at, but not right away, if I remember correctly. So it was, uh, we always knew James and Duncan would share the editing, uh, uh, bulk of the bodies. Cause it's, it's definitely, um, sort of the, the meat of it, right. It takes the longest, but, um, we, um, we realized that, or I realized, I think that I needed a little more support on the review side if I was going to curate the music and pick timestamps and where it's going to go. Uh, so we we got uh, Scott into the mix. He was a little more primary on social media and stuff, uh, but he had it gave him a little more flexibility to uh, to add that into his uh, his workflow as well. So so it was short, definitely shortly after launch. Um, when you guys are played, are you guys using any of the optional rules? Are you going free archetype, ancestral paragon? You doing stamina? Anything like that? Yeah, free archetype was uh, was one that we we settled on early on, just for the versatility. Uh, given we have three players, I I actually pushed a little bit for ancestral paragon as well, but the players all agreed that they they because we were also reasonably new to everything, they they wanted less to remember. Uh, free archetype already adds a decent amount, not like a huge amount, but you know 
because Pathfinder is so built on selecting multiple feats, and some of them are really easy to forget you have, you know, just granting a bonus to fortitude to this specific situation, you know, and that situation might not come up much. So the more of those you have, the, the, you know, the more, uh, the more difficult it becomes to re- remember everything that's on your character sheet, no matter how easy things like Foundry make that to navigate. Um, so it was, uh, it was, honestly, I think it was more the player decision not to, to use more. Um, so free, but free archetypes seem to be the, the given it's, uh, I think it's lauded as, as one of the most common ones used other than the, um, uh, prog- progression, bonus, automatic, uh, progression automatic bonus, progression bonus, um, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm personally a fan of the stamina system, um, f- after having played Starfinder, but everyone else I play with hates it. So <laughs> it's a decent system, but I will say, I think at the end of the day, it just, it adds too much to an already rules heavy system. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back for a lot of people. But yeah, yeah as far as optional rules, I feel like the free archetype is almost more of a, a core rule nowadays than an optional rule, because I don't know anyone that yeah. doesn't use it. The only yeah. people that I, that don't use are people that literally are just starting that don't even mm-hmm. really know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The only issues I've ever really seen crop up too much is I see on Reddit. Sometimes people are like, Hey, we're using for the archetype. How come I don't have something to use at this level? And then people have to remind them the game was not designed at, for that as a core rule. So there isn't something for that level. Not every archetype was built for that purpose. Insert casual complaint about the talisman dabbler. So. Oh, yeah, right. So it's something I would hope that maybe Paizo would like almost backtrack on and just like maybe fill in a few extra things for the, for the few archetypes that are there just for that reason. I think it would be great. But I mean, any any GM or player could find a way to do that, too, I'm sure. Pathfinder infinite design space availability. Nudge, nudge. And I will say I, I've paid attention to a lot of the more recent archetypes, and I do feel they have added stuff or they're at least adding a section of all of these feats are also available to you when you pick this archetype as a way to help fill in that void of, okay, you, we want to try to hit something, at least a couple of things at every level one through 10. So even as you get higher, you can just pick up some of those maybe earlier ones that you weren't able to get, but that you Mm -hmm. still have stuff you can do with it. Yeah, totally. If I were to give any advice to some GMs out there, when it comes to things like rarity and archetypes and stuff like that, you have these little notes on them that say access, you know, and you know, if you want to, uh, this feat that, uh, that the fighter and champion can have, but the access says you are a member of the Knights of last wall. Don't be too hard on that. Don't, don't, don't just pull, uh, access away because it's listed there. I, I feel that that little line is very optional and rarity is another thing too. A lot of people argue that rarity is not an indication of power. It is just literally rarity in the world of Galarian. Um, so don't be too uh, stingy about that. However, always make the player justify and write it into their story. How did they get to know that, that feat, that ever stand stance that the Knights of Last Wall know? Well, maybe they trained with a, Knights of, a Knight of Last Wall. They don't have to be one. You know, just small things like that. And I try to encourage my players to, to branch out to those things. Uh, James is really bad about like being really strict with the lore in the world. Um, and I say bad, he's really good at it. Like he just does his homework like crazy. And he's just like, he, he's got it all lined up. He, you know, his, his starting character used to sail on a ship and he knows exactly the route through the inner sea that it sailed. You know, he's one of those players. 
but like trying to convince him that like that access thing is is not a restriction uh, is, is sometimes kind of hard. <laughs> I mean, I can understand a little bit if you are if that's your level of fun, if he's going to that extreme, that that's how much he's developed his character. He doesn't want to sit there and play with someone who's an android and says, why are you an android? It looks cool. And right. that's it. You have nothing to add on to that. You're like, but wait a minute. These barely exist that, anywhere. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be like, no, 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 no. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, a, I have a hard enough time. I, I actually do have a hard time with uh, you know, too much pop culture reference being in the game world. I don't I don't like punny names too much. Uh, I, I don't, I, I just, I, I it's, it's, it kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. It's just, a, I guess, a, a thematic preference. Uh, I always see lots of posts on Reddit. People are like, oh, how do I make this anime character in the game? I'm like, oh, why? Why do you want to make the, just make, make your own? Why do you want to be that guy? But, you know, that, you do you, ultimately. Uh, but James does get me sometimes because he's made a couple Shuni characters. I think the original was Arfur. <laughs> and, oh, uh, man. Yes. The second one was Raphael. Raphael was the first one. Raphael was the first one in your show. He was rad. I love Raphael. He's and great. Like, I can't deny him because this is too good, you know? <laughs> so where can people find you? Uh, where can people find me? Well, I Sorry, live in Canada. Canada. I assume. Uh, uh, See, that, that's always a stealthy area. Where can we find you? <laughs> we have agents heading to your yeah. location, Freeman. <laughs> uh, you can always hit up our website at unchartednorth.ca. Um, and we're also uh, across uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter. I don't think we're on Facebook. I think we dropped Facebook. Uh, but if she uh, at Uncharted, no, um, because limitation on characters. Uh, and then uh, on, you'll see me pop up on Reddit here and there, uh, uh, user Uncharted Freeman. And once in a while, maybe you see Uncharted Duncan in there as well. Um, otherwise, uh, we also have a public Discord that I'm usually posting about as well. Um, but we, we try to keep it uh, pretty condensed uh, across those platforms uh, and just uh, kind of hang out there instead of spreading ourselves too thin. We all hate social media, so there's that. That Dawson. seems to be a trend. Yeah, no, I actually haven't talked to anyone of a certain age that like, no, I hate social media. It's it's a pox on humanity. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'm going to take this opportunity real quick to plug before before we we start to to wind this down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to be playing with James in a charity yes, game coming up next right. month, October 14th, and I'm sure you can find out more information on. Uh, Uncharted North socials as that gets close, and you'll certainly be able to hear more from us about it at Roll for Intent, both on the show and on the main show. Uh, but we're going to be doing a charity game for a real cool charity called Casa de Colores uh, that's uh, helping uh, LGBT um, refugees uh, from south of the U.S. border uh, find a place to be safe, essentially. So I'm really looking forward to playing with James just in general again on top of the, the good cause that we're going to be. We're gonna he always be puts his all into a character. It's great. He did a, he did a poll on our Discord to, uh, for votes on what class he should play. And uh, I think I influenced it uh, a bit. <laughs> I voted for Druid. And I, I, I said to everyone, simply because it's complicated and I want his job to be harder. <laughs> And everyone voted Druid. <laughs> I knew there would be a story behind that. <laughs> Is that what you were asking about the automaton Druid wrestler? <laughs> oh, yeah. See, that was that was my character that I built for a malevolence or a malevolence uh, game. Oh yeah. man. 
I was thinking, no, this is awesome. You're playing a transformer. You're just turning into animals. <laughs> Choke slam, brother. Well, as always, Freeman, it's been a joy to talk to you. Uh, we got to do this more often. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I hope I was exactly as long-winded as I like to be. As always, wonderfully <laughs> long-winded. The windiest Canadian I know. Here, I'll you just like finish off with a little Canadian. <laughs> and with that, we need to leave soon before he does it again. <laughs> and for Roll for Intent Creators Corner, I'm Trevor. And I'm Christian. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for Roll for Content. I mean, content. I mean, co- creator, Creator's Corner. What? <laughs>